Well, fantastic. I invite you all to turn with me in the Bible to uh, two places, really, Exodus chapter 20, working our way through the Ten Commandments on the Third Commandment today. Ten Commandments are found ten times through 20, Exodus 20. If you're ever looking for a list, that's one of the places in Scripture you can can find it. And then we're also going to take a look at Matthew chapter 26 in the New Testament. So, you know, very part, first part of the New Testament, Exodus at the beginning of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus 20. And as we uh, turn to these verses today, I'll remind us again, big picture framework. I know we have busy lives. It's easy to get distracted. We're in and out maybe this or that Sunday. Where we're headed with uh, God's top ten, we're describing it this way as the mirror, the map, and the mercy of God's commandments. And so that's the way we're trying to think about this, an overarching theme each week. Mirror, something that shows us, hey, maybe some blemishes, maybe need something taken care of there, drives us, we hope, ultimately, to the beauty of Christ. To the beauty of his righteous face, even though ours is unrighteous when we hold up the commandments and really look at them clearly. So we're trying to, to move towards Christ because we see our, our need more clearly. So it's a mirror. It's a map. That's a, maybe fairly easy to understand. Shows us where to go, where we need to head in our lives. That's, uh, that's all packaged up then in mercy. God's merciful when he shows us our need for him and we're able to see greater and greater degrees of Jesus's beauty and righteousness. That's merciful. He's merciful when he shows us the path that we should walk in, even if the commandments sometimes uh, feel constraining to us rather than liberating. It's his mercy that he guides us. So that's the general perspective we'll have. And then today, looking at the third commandment, we shall not take the Lord's name In vain, I want us to think, uh, even as we read these verses, and then you'll perhaps see where I'm headed a little bit better as I move into the message. I want us to think about uh, the kingdom of God and the kingdom that's marked by God's name. And I want us to think about our propensity to be uh, traitors against that name and against that kingdom versus what we might call patriots, for lack of a better term, to the name and to the kingdom of God. And so let's let's kind of have that thought in the back of our mind as we read. And and maybe you'll see where I'm where I'm headed with that in a few moments. Hopefully, hopefully Exodus chapter 20, verse seven just says this. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold guiltless him who takes his name in vain. Pretty cut and dried. Matthew 26, flip over there with me. Matthew 26, starting in verse 69. Again, a story that might be generally familiar with us from our just our culture, if not from your own reading of Scripture and so forth. It says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. This is while Jesus is being arrested and tried and so forth. And a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and she said to the bystanders, this this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. 
I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you two are one of them for your accent. You know, the way he was talking betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to honor your name. We want to reverence your name. Your name is your identity, who you are. And Lord, you are great. You're wonderful. You're merciful. You're our rescuer. You're holy. And Lord, so often we see our lives fall short of exemplifying, exhibiting, displaying uh, the greatness of your name, of who you are. And so we pray today that you would help us to meditate more fully on what it means to follow this commandment, not to take your name in vain. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Benedict Arnold. Tokyo Rose, the Rosenbergs, all of them maybe folks we would recognize as famous traders, people who took the name, we might say, of American, but took it in vain. How about some more recent examples, though, that I looked up this week? Forgotten one of these, saw a movie recently about the other one, CIA agent Aldrich Ames, you might remember hearing about just in the mid-90s, not too long ago for, for some of us here. Or maybe a Robert Hansen who worked by the F, for the FBI about which the movie Breach uh, was crafted. These uh, gentlemen just recently, again, I think, uh, Hansen, as late as 2001, was apprehended for his crimes. Ames was, of course, supposed to be uh, your exemplary patriot, we might say, putting himself in harm's way in foreign countries as an agent of the CIA. But in fact, while he was out there, what was he doing? He was selling the names of U.S. agents abroad. They say about a 100 were exposed by him ten of which they've confirmed were killed, were executed because of Aldrich Ames' uh, betrayal. And then uh, Hansen worked, you might say, the other side of things, I guess. Uh, Ames was CIA. Uh, uh, Hansen was the FBI. And Hansen instead was involved in giving away the information, particularly to the Russians, of their agents who were working with us. And, of course, that couldn't have ended well for most of, of them. Now, if you've got a patriotic bone somewhere in your body, hearing about these examples and even some of these names uh, gets you, know, get your dander up a little bit, gets you upset, perhaps. These folks were brought into the agencies of our government, entrusted with protecting uh, you and me, uh, this American kingdom, if you will, but they were in fact doing what? 
taking the name of our country in vain or working directly against it. And as we look today then at the third commandment, certainly we can talk and we will mention the way that we just use our words, right? Being careful about how we say and reference the Lord's name. So there's there's certainly that element of it. it. It at least includes that, that we ought to be careful about how we speak the name of God and ought to be extremely uh, careful not to use God's name as some sort of curse, which is uh, very common in our in our language, in our in our speech. Um, we've even got little texting phrases that sort of you know refer to that. So we, we, we've got to think about that for sure. But but I want us to see that this illustration of patriotism and uh, maybe betrayal of our country is maybe a little bit more close to the tenor of the third commandment than having to go to the principal's office and getting our mouth washed out with soap. Right. A little bit more, a little more depth to it, a little more comprehensive than just whether we say God's name or Jesus's name in a particular way. So if you want to follow along with me in the sermon notes, you can there in the back of your worship guide. And main idea is just this, that since God graciously brings you and me, gracious means it's, it's a gift. We don't have a right to it into the kingdom that bears his name. Right. We don't maybe always think about that way. But what is the the kingdom we're a part of? It's the kingdom of God. It's his kingdom. We should live as patriots of that kingdom. So let me unpack that a little bit. The first part of it graciously bring brought in brought into this kingdom that bears God's name. A lot of us maybe would would be familiar with the terminology of being saved. We might say. I'm saved. I've come into that saving knowledge of God, which is which is good terminology. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, We might also want to think about or talk about being in a relationship with God through Christ. We know a broken thing has been established and rectified through what Jesus has done. And that's that's good, too. Nothing wrong with that. What I think. We need to keep in mind in an even fuller sense today as we look at this commandment is the fact that we've also been brought into a kingdom. You you and I have been invited into what God is doing in the world, his kingdom. And with that comes some really awesome and amazing benefits and also some pretty substantial responsibilities. One of those responsibilities is... That you and I, if we name the name of Christ, and I realize today there may be folks here that are just thinking through who God is and relationship with Christ, and that's fine. But if you're here today and you uh, recognize Christ as Savior and Lord, then then you, whether we think of ourselves in this way or not, we're representatives of God in the world. We even think about it with, you know, what do we what do we call this this group? And we don't call it the church. We might call it. The body of Christ. Right. So that's that's who we are. Uh, The catechism questions put it this way. This is a different one from the 1600s. It's got a good little way of putting it that kind of I like it because some of these again, Garrett did a great job of sharing about some of these folks that come from other time periods. It's not that they were always right about what they thought. They were probably wrong about some really glaring things, but they help us see things differently because they probably weren't wrong about the same things that we're wrong about. 
Okay, so they, they just inform us, broaden our perspective. So one of the things they said about, you know, what does the third commandment require? So they looked at all the commandments. They all tell us something not to do. What's implied? What's the reverse? Well, the third commandment requires the holy and reverent use, they said, of God's names, attributes, word, and works. Okay, so broaden your perspective just a little bit. And so the first question for each one of us, and goodness, I'm, I'm convicted by this. I, I get up and talk about God for a living. If this doesn't make me tremble, what, you know, who would? Uh, are we honoring God with holy and reverent use of his name, his attributes, the things about him, his word, the Bible, and his works? So God's desire because he's captured our lives, because he's loved us, because he's shed his grace upon us, is that we would live lives that shine that out to those around us. And the opposite is taking God's name in vain. Again, the Puritans said this is profaning or abusing anything whereby God makes himself known. (laughs) That's a pretty broad brush. Profaning or abusing anything whereby God makes himself known. Well, why do we need to, to hear this? I already mentioned we have this identity as, uh, as Christians, right? Christ in. Christ in. We're marked by that. If we claim the name of Christ, we're representing him in the world. And, and I want to say, of course, that all of us are going to fall short of this, just like we do in every other area of our spiritual life. And the best thing isn't to pretend like we're doing better with honoring God's name than we really are. The best thing is to recognize that, yeah, I do need to grow. I need to work on some areas. I need to confess some things to God. I need to run to him for his mercy. That's where his power is unleashed in our lives. And he does that work. Now, some may ask, and I think it's a fair question, isn't there... Okay, so... Thank you, Pastor, for reminding us that even though we fall short in this, we have Jesus, we have a righteous one who perfectly honored the Lord with all that he did, carried out all of his works and glorified him in everything that he did. So that's great. Uh, What about and so we're glad that somebody can take our place as Christians. But isn't there isn't there a denying of Christ that uh, is more severe than that? And that results in more significant consequences. And I say absolutely. Right. Uh, There's a difference between realizing that we tend to have traitorous hearts as citizens of the kingdom of God. And saying we don't even want to be a part of the kingdom at all. Right. So the scriptures do clearly teach if if a person doesn't acknowledge Christ as their Lord and Savior, then they're outside of that. Grace. They're outside of any of the blessings of the name of Jesus. So does that, that make sense? So it's, it's certainly a, a problem for us that we don't honor and exalt God's name before a watching world around us as we should. But there are uh, more severe situations for sure. Well, what does the Bible teach about all of this? Well, we've already read a couple of verses, but I want you to see a few other places. Again, you can follow along if you want to in the sermon notes. Deuteronomy. In the Old Testament. And, you know, sometimes I try to jump around and you say, well, goodness, you know, Pastor, are you trying to just confuse us a little bit here? Or see how fast our fingers can move in the Bible or how fast we can scroll in our device to the, to the next chapter? Is this some kind of test? Well, 
I mean, maybe there's a little bit of that. We've got to have fun as preachers. But um, but no, they, the, the purpose of this, when we jump around from here to there, is a lot of times I'm trying to help us see across the scope of Scripture that these teachings are true. So Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 58. You don't really need to turn there. I'll just read it to you after I said all that. If you're not careful, it's a warning to the Old Testament people to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, talking about the commands of God, that you may do what? Fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. So we see there, that's just one example of God saying, when we live out his commandments, we're displaying a recognition of his name, his character, his person, who God is. So that's the first thing. The scripture definitely talks about consequences for not honoring the name of the Lord. Titus chapter 1 is in the New Testament, all the way at the back there of the New Testament. Let's see if I can even find it. Right around Thessalonians and before you get to Hebrews, but it's just one little verse again that I'm going to read. Titus chapter 1, verse 6, says this. 16, I'm sorry. Verse 16. It's talking about those that are outside Christ. It says they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. Okay, this is a a term we we use pretty often. Somebody who's a hypocrite. And I don't know. I'm not like a ancient Greek uh, scholar of the arts or whatnot. But as I recall hearing it one time, that word hypocrite comes from the idea that they were when they were on stage, they'd like have one mask. So one character or costume, you might say, they'd come out in those Greek plays and they'd be like the good, you know, gracious, awesome character. And then they'd turn around and they'd have another mask that they were another person. Right? We got another term in our in our language, somebody being two faced. What does that mean? That means they're one thing in one setting and they're another thing in another. Folks. Part of recognizing our fallenness and brokenness and sin in the world is realizing Each and every one of us is two-faced. Each and every one of us is a hypocrite. We say we're going to do or be or pursue certain things, and then we often do the opposite. We often do the opposite. So there's that danger of hypocrisy. And then uh, the scriptures talk, too, about specifically how we speak. So that's the underlying issue. It comes out in what we say or don't say. James chapter 3. I feel like maybe I read this a few weeks ago for some other purpose, but it's pertinent to our passage today. James chapter 3, starting in the end of verse 5. It's in the New Testament. It says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members. Staining the whole body, set on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire itself by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. All right, let me, let me bring this home, because I, I can tell we're, we're drifting just a tad. Last night, I picked a great time to decide to reach out to the lovely folks at AT&T. Sorry for AT&T employees out here. And uh, during one of the games last night that I was interested in watching, and I thought, okay, I got an error on the bill. 
Surely this can be resolved in five, max ten minutes. I can kind of watch the game, have the phone off to the side, be on speaker, and I'll deal with the customer service thing. Let me just say this is, uh, I shouldn't have said the name of the company. That's horrible of me. Anyway, ignore the name. Acme. Acme Phone Company. Acme Phone Company. Anyway, it could be any other one. Surely you've had the same experience. So they're trying to do their best. You get on the phone and and uh, Jonathan was the first person I talked to. And, and he's 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 doing his job. He's being as kind and gracious as he possibly can. And I'm on the other end of the line and I'm a pastor and I'm a believer in Christ. And I'm I want to exhibit my Christian life and all my relationships and everything that I do and all that I say. But I've called you 20 times to get the bill right. And you messed the bill up again and like big messed up the bill. And you've already charged me and you want to give me a credit to my account instead of putting it back on my credit card. And why does it work that way? Because you took the money out of the credit card already, but you don't want to put it back in the credit card. And before you know it, I was telling lovely Dynasty, I think was her name, on the second part of my phone call that I had to wait 10 minutes to talk to after I told him I was tired of waiting. And Dynasty, you know, it's just bad when you tell Dynasty, I'm sorry that I'm going to be rude in this conversation. And then you just let it roll, baby. Right. And you realize that tongue hard to tame. Right. I mean. I don't even I, I thought after, you know, you could spend Saturday preacher preparing a message on living out God's name in the world and specifically how we speak about things. You'd think that would be on the front of my mind, but it didn't really register until I hung up the phone. Then I was like, wow, I'm not sure the lady on the other end of that line would say, hey, we got a card carrying Christian right there. I was just talking to. I'm not sure she'd check that box. This is tough stuff, isn't it? This is tough, and James is telling us about it. Let me finish this. He says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What's what's James telling us? He's just saying, you know, yeah, this is a real struggle to especially speak in a way that honors and glorifies God. And again, I want us to see that's much more broad than just whether we say the name of God or use the name of God in a particular way. You and I are marked as citizens of the kingdom of God. And the things that we do that go against that are really traitorous, traitorous acts against the kingdom of God. A couple other ideas there in your notes if you want to track with it, but we'll try to land the plane here. Of course, the scriptures talk about the fact that we're not only prone to do that in general life, but we're prone to do it even in our specific settings That's of worship. Isn't that really where it is? You all have had the experience. I have have to. Where you're in the worship service and you realize, you know, someone was just trying to lead me in prayer, but I was like thinking about my grocery list, which I guess is not the most horrible thing, but I, I wasn't dialed in. And we probably had the, the situation where we've been singing a song of praise to God. And let's be honest, we've been thinking about something specifically sinful during the time that we've been singing the song of praise to God. 
So the scriptures remind us we've got to we've got to search our hearts in all of these matters. And then uh, a couple final thoughts. Uh, it's interesting that the Lord's prayer that we just sung today. So how do we how do we begin to remedy this? How do we begin to work on having a new heart? Obviously, running to Jesus, recognizing what he's done for us. But it's interesting that the Lord's prayer starts with a, a short little phrase. We just sung it a minute ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Isn't that interesting? It's so important to God and so vital, he knows, to our relationship with him. But again, when we, we kind of pray that Lord's Prayer, we just right on, you know, right to the next of it. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, I can kind of picture that. Hallowed be your name. I don't even I understand. Well, that's, that's what we're trying to unpack a little bit today. What would it look like for you and I to maybe begin praying at a deeper heart level that God's name would be hallowed and honored and glorified in the lives that we lead? I'm going to talk in a couple of weeks about false vows, so let's, uh, let's get past that. And, and let me close with this. Take a look over at... Um, John chapter 21. Do, do turn here, even if you didn't take time to turn to the other passages. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. John chapter 21, verse 15 through 16. 15 through 19, actually. All right, and I want you to follow along here. Maybe, again, we've heard this before. We've read this. We saw earlier Peter using... His words in a way that were what we call a denial of Christ. And if we're honest, we know that often our thoughts, actions and words deny Christ instead of glorify him. Look at look at the look at the beauty of what Jesus does with Peter and what he can do day by day with you and me as we fall short in these areas. Verse 15, John 25 or 21. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus is appearing here after his resurrection Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show the kind of death by which he was glorifying to glorify God. So Peter's signed up for the kingdom of God and he's um, He's going to be uh, facing the the uh, suffering of that. And then the last sentence. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Let me just unpack a couple real quick things. Anybody notice how Jesus refers to Simon? He doesn't just say like Cephas like he does sometimes or doesn't just say his first name. He says, Simon, son of John, I'm talking to you by your name. Your name matters. A reminder, of course, of how flippantly Peter had handled his relationship, his identifying. I don't know Jesus. I do not know him. I am not identified with him. Peter, who are you? 
what is your name? Then, of course, most people observe pretty quickly how many times does he go through it? Three. How many times did Peter deny? Three. And then I love this last part. I mean, Jesus is just so loving, isn't he? So gracious to us, even when he confronts us, even when there's a rebuke going on, which is obviously happening here. He says in the very last verse, follow me. Right. Come in full circle. The very first thing that Jesus said to Peter, we could say, come and follow me. Peter's fallen short. Peter hasn't been holding up the name of the Lord, didn't even want to be identified with him. And yet here now, now Jesus is looking to see, Peter, are you responding in faith and repentance? So he's not afraid to ask, you know, do you are you tracking? Do you understand what happened here? Was there there was something wrong? Peter's tracking. And Jesus is delighted to say, hey, get, get, get back on my team, right? Get back in with the kingdom of God and follow me. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we uh, confess that in our hearts, in minds, actions and words, we uh, frequently live in a way that Instead of uplifting and honoring you as our great God, uh, Lord, at the at the best sort of ignores that. Uh, and then often at its worst goes directly opposed to that. And so, Lord, we we are delighted to have the mirror of your command, your third command held up to our face. Would you allow us to run to you, Lord Jesus, and be blessed to Meditate on how perfectly you fulfilled everything and that you offer your righteous life, righteous honoring of the Lord to us. And then, Lord, we do pray that you'd send us out from this place with hearts, minds, wills, desiring to honor your name more fully in everything that we do. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.